over to uh, Junior Church at this time. And the rest of us will take our Bibles and turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 9 this morning. Isaiah chapter number 9. Brother Jim, you had some guests with you this morning, and you need to introduce them real quick because they go out. Wonderful. We're glad to have you. Let's give them a big hand. Good to have you today. Be sure and come to pastor's office, and we'll, we'll help you with some candy afterwards, all right? Amen. All right. Isaiah chapter number 9. Isaiah chapter 9. One of the books that I enjoy reading and studying is the book of Isaiah. A lot of exciting things in the book of Isaiah, especially if you're a Jewish person. I'm not Jewish in that regard, but uh, there's a lot of promises that, that uh, relate to the Jews here in Isaiah. And we're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6 this morning. Let's all stand as we uh, have an opportunity to read God's Word this morning. We're looking here at, at this important portion of Scripture. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Let's pray. Father, how wonderful it is to know the future dealing with your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is going to come, and He is going to reign. And Lord, He's going to put all things right. And how wonderful as, a, as your children to realize how this world is going to change for the better one day. Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ when He came to the, this earth uh, some 2,000 years ago. And Lord, he provided for us a way of salvation that we might have a relationship with you. Lord, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Lord, you're such a wonderful God. And Lord, you have given to us a marvelous, marvelous Savior. Lord, I pray that you would cause our thoughts to center and focus upon him today. Lord, we love you and we give our hearts to you. Lord, if there's one without Jesus, I pray that they would receive that special gift of eternal life, which Jesus Christ came to offer. Lord, give me your words today. Lord, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. You know, at this time of the year, our thoughts and our attention as believers are centered upon Jesus Christ coming to earth. He's often pictured as an innocent little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. But Jesus was much more than that. He was God's Son. The world did not realize the importance nor the significance of this babe who came to earth. He was not born in a fancy hotel with the finest of servants and the best that this world had to offer. Instead, Jesus' birth was in a stable because there was no room for him in the inn. The world did not laud him with the glory and honor which he rightly deserved, as being God's only begotten Son. Rather, it was the angels which came that night to a few shepherds, tending their sheep on the hills of Judea, proclaiming the miraculous birth of God's Son. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6, the prophet Isaiah reveals to us the nature of God's Son through various names. We just got done reading a whole host of them. 
It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Today we are going to focus on the first of these names. His name shall be called Wonderful. Wonderful. Billy Sunday speaking uh, about this idea that Jesus' name is called Wonderful in this portion of text. He said there are 265 names given in the Bible for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I suppose this was because of his um, infinitely beyond all that any one name could express. His name is called Wonderful. You can't say anything more. Words can't describe how tremendous the Lord Jesus Christ is. Our theme today is Jesus, the wonderful Savior. Why is Jesus so wonderful? Why is he so wonderful? I want you to consider, first of all, that he is wonderful in his sacrifice for us. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter 12, the New Testament. Hebrews chapter number 12. Verses 2 and 3 we want to read this morning. It says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Here in this portion of Scripture, I want you just to notice that little phrase in this portion as, as uh, the Apostle Paul is saying that we're to look unto Jesus, we're to focus on, uh, on Jesus. Folks, as Christians, we ought to focus on Jesus. At this time of the year, people are focusing on a whole lot of different things other than Jesus. They're focusing on Santa Claus and the gifts and the snow and the presents and the tinsel. And they're, they're focusing on all these different things. And those are, you know, those are kind and fine and, and all that type of stuff. But our attention as Christians ought to be focused upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It's his birthday. It's his birthday. And I want you to consider, as he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. But notice this little phrase, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. Notice that little part, it says, who for the joy. That word for, there's a, some different words that you can use in the Greek. The New Testament was written in Greek and uh, then translated into English. This word for can be translated by the word gar. Uh, it deals with the idea of for. But it also can be translated and is translated here in the Greek word anti. Auntie, it's a little different than that. And this idea of auntie, it carries with this idea instead of or over against. This word auntie is the same word when we think of the Antichrist. Auntie, Christos. The one who is in opposition to Jesus Christ. That we know the Antichrist is going to come. Uh, he's, he, I believe he's on the scene. I believe we're getting ready to go home soon. I tell you, as, we, as preachers and people who know the Word of God, you start studying it, you get kind of excited. That uh, I was talking with Brother Adams, and by the way, he gives his greetings to all, and he's saying he's doing well, and strength's back, and, and all, all the reports are good, so praise the Lord for that. And, uh, but we are just talking. He says, you know what, I think we're really close. We're really close to the Lord coming back. He says, you know, you hear about some of these cities where they've had 
you know, all the uh, crime and all that type of stuff, and they're saying it's increased 30, 30%, 40%, all this. He says it's 800% out in Portland. Goodness, I'm glad I'm in Stevensville, Montana. I'm glad I'm in Stevensville. You know, uh, but praise God, there's a city, there's a, there's a church over there that's preaching the word of God and talking about Jesus Christ, and people are still getting saved. Jesus, who instead of the joy that was there in heaven, came to earth. Who instead of the joy that came to, he came to earth, despising the shame, enduring the cross. Consider for a moment what Jesus left when he came to earth. He left the glory which he and his father had known. The Bible says in John 17, 5, And now, O Father, as Jesus has prayed in his high priestly prayer, he says, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Jesus had glory and honor and majesty in heaven. I mean, he was praised and he was worshipped. Turn back with me, if you would, to uh, John chapter 1, verse number 1. John chapter 1. He had an exalted position in glory as the Creator and the Lord of all. John chapter 1 and verse number 1. You say, oh, you know, this is, I've heard this before. Oh, I'm telling you, I want to refresh your memory. When we think about Jesus Christ, what He left to come down here, in the beginning was the Word. Notice that's capital W-O-R-D. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. We know that this portion of Scripture, based on verse 14, is that Word is Jesus Christ. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ was in the beginning with God, and He was God. He wasn't just on the same page as God, although that is true. He was God. That's what it says in verse number 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus Christ was with the Father and with the Holy Spirit making all things. He made all things. Colossians 1, 16 and 17, it says, For by him were all things that were created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And by him all things consist. Jesus holds all things together by the word of his power. Boy, that's a wonderful... That's our Savior in heaven. He was... There in heaven in an exalted position. He was uh, as God, the creator. Jesus was also seated upon a throne. Look with me to Isaiah. Go back to Isaiah for a second. Isaiah chapter 6. And verse number 1. Now as you come to Isaiah chapter 6. And verse number 1. I want to explain something. I want to clarify something for some of you. When we, think of, when we think of God the Father, we know one thing from the Scriptures, that there is a triune God, three persons, yet one God. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 7, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. 
There's only one God. There's only one God. So when we're talking about on this portion of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, we're also including the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice it says here, in, the, in that year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord setting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Hey, the Lord in heaven, Jesus Christ, before he came to earth, was high and lifted up in a throne. What a wonderful place. I mean, he was exalted there in heaven. Jesus sitting upon the throne high and lifted up. He was worshipped of the angels, as we see in verse number 2, and above it, uh, he was worshipped. It says, and, he, and above it stood the seraphim. These are angels. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. With twain he did fly. And he cried one to another saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Boy, he's worshipped in heaven. I mean, the angels. You know, when you get to heaven, you're going to hear about how great God is. You're going to hear about how great Jesus is. You say, Pastor, I wish you'd get on to another subject. You know, that's, you know, I've heard that one. I just know it, but I, I want to get on to something else. You know, love and peace and joy. And I, I, you know, how to have a prosperous family. Can I tell you something? It all starts with this person called Jesus Christ. If you want to have a life that's worth living, then you need to center your attention upon this one who is wonderful, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the one who sits upon the throne, and he's there now with his father. He's there uh, upon the throne, he's high and he's lifted up. That's where he was before he came to earth. Psalm 103, verse 20, tells us that the angels obeyed every command of Jesus. Psalm 103, 20 says, Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. When Jesus would speak in heaven, the angels would pop too. They'd hop too. They'd get, they'd get right to it. They would obey his command. They wouldn't sit back and say, well, you know, I don't know whether I want to do this or not. You know, I just, you know, I've got other things to do. No, 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 no. The angels obey his commands. You know, it's kind of fun thinking of Jesus in heaven like that. Thinking with all of his glory, thinking with all that honor, thinking with all that majesty, thinking of all that wonderful thing that Jesus did and had it there in heaven as a creator and he'd look over the things that he had created. The beauty and the wonder of it all. But Jesus sacrificed all of that worship, all of that honor, all of that glory, the glory of heaven to come to a world, to come to this earth. Go back to John chapter 1, Gospel of John chapter 1 and verse number 10. John chapter 1 and verse number 10. The Bible talking about the Word, dealing with Jesus Christ in verse number 1 as we read. Verse number 10, He was in the world, the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. Here's God, had, Jesus had created all this world, all that was here. The beauty and every person on it, the Lord created all of this. And yet, his creation didn't even know who he was. 
always mind-boggling to me. Why the Lord Jesus Christ, why God the Father and the Holy Spirit would spend so much time with us who care so little about him. The world knew him not. Not only did the world know him not, the world hated him and didn't want him to rule over them. Jesus, in sharing the parable of the ten pounds, revealing the attitude of the people on the earth in Luke chapter 19, 14, says this. He says, but his citizens hated him and sent a messenger or message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. Today, there's a lot of people that don't want Jesus Christ to reign over them. You know, you talk to people, you share the gospel with people, and there's some people that are, well, you know, they're kind of a little interested. And, and Brother Dean and I, we went out yesterday and found some people and was talking to some folk and, and uh, just uh, talking to them about the Lord. And, and you know, there's some people that were kind of interested, and you sow some seed and, and you pray, and you, you pray that God will, will uh, work that in their heart and their life and, and cause them to come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there are some people who just, I don't want that type of stuff. I don't need that. Uh, the, the Bible says that the world doesn't want Jesus to reign over them. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Men want to go by their own direction, by their own way. But God desired us, as I, we were sharing this morning in Sunday school, God, God designed, God made men and women, boys and girls, to have a relationship with, with him. In fact, God placed in every one of us a void that only he can supply and he can fill. He wants to have fellowship with you. He wants to have a relationship. But when man sinned, man became dead and shut off toward God. And God, a man started to, he said, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and worship and serve the creature more than the creator. You know, people worship things or self or others, trying to fulfill that, fill that void that they have in their life, but there's only one person that can fill that void, and that's Jesus. That's Jesus Christ. The world hated him. The world didn't want to have him to reign over him, and yet Jesus still came. Why? Why did Jesus come to this earth? that he might die for our sins, that we might once again have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Jesus said in Matthew 20, verse 28, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus Christ came to give his life a ransom, a ransom price for you and me, that we might have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. I came across an interesting little article and I wanted to share it with you this morning. It's called The Actions of Christ. It says, He came from splendor to be born in poverty. He left the presence of angels for the company of me. He laid down a scepter in heaven to be laid in a manger and exchanged the worship of archangels for the praise of lowly shepherds. He walked into the world with all the power of Almighty God at His bidding but he was carried out, a mutilated body lowered from a cross. He rebuked the pious, but he comforted the sinner. He refused earthly kingship, although he was still a king. He loved his mother, yet gave her away at the cross. He healed the brokenhearted, 
yet he himself died with a broken heart. He loved the fellowship of friends, yet was cast out by his kinsmen. He rebuked both sage and seer, then blessed the little children. He held an executive meeting at the Mount of Transfiguration, then wept alone in the Garden of Gethsemane. He could walk on water, but could not walk away from the tears of the eyes of the widow of Nain. He could command the stars in their orbits, but he refused to change the circumstances of his own execution. His mission was a commitment to free all men, yet he was imprisoned on the testimony of one man. He delivered many from pain, but he was delivered to suffer agonizing pain. He dried the eyes of multitudes, but no one dried his eyes in Gethsemane. He carried the burdens of the world, but only one was brought forth to help him bear his cross to Calvary. His execution was thought to be insignificant, but became the controversy of the ages. His life was extinguished in a brief second of time, but then ignited to lighten the world. His short span of 33 and a half years on earth should have passed unnoted were it possible, but no one's life has ever had such impact on the minds of men. His three and one half years in public's eye was brief indeed, but his achievements are the greatest ever recorded. He has inspired more men, conquered more hearts, delivered more prisoners, consoled more mourners than any figure in the history of man. He spoke of love, but was murdered with hate. He shared all that he had, then on the cross he spared paradise, or shared paradise with a thief. He gave the world light, only to be driven into the cavern of death. He gave mankind guidance, only to be guided to Golgotha. He pointed men to the tree of life. They nailed him to a tree on a hill called the skull. He laid down a scepter in heaven to be laid in a borrowed tomb. He walked out of heaven, pure, perfect, and beautiful. He returned beaten, mutilated, and nail-scarred. He fulfilled all that was written of him, and yet man did not believe him. His coming changed the course of nations. His return will be to judge the nations. His title was simple, as, the, as stated on the cross, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. But to those who have ever known him, he is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus is wonderful because of what he has sacrificed for you and for me. I want you to consider the second point, and that's this. Jesus is wonderful because of his love for us. John chapter 15, just over a few chapters from where you are, and John 15, verse number 13, says this, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I have commanded you. In John chapter 10, verse 14 and 15, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. You know, Jesus 
spoke of that amazing love. Greater love, Jesus said, hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Paul spoke of that amazing love in this way. It was a love which passed all human comprehension. Turn in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. We hear so much of what people call love today is not love, it's lust. Love, biblical love, deals with the best for the object loved. It tries to, it's sacrificial. It's willing to do the very best. Lust says, well, I can't wait to have. Here in this portion of Scripture, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, Paul speaks to the church at Ephesus, and he says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded, notice, in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the breadth of what? The breadth of the love of God. For God so loved, what? The world. That's the breadth of God's love. He loves everyone. There's no one that God did not love. For God so loved the world, the breadth of his love, and the length of his love. As you see there in verse 18, what is the length of his love? For God so loved the world, what? That he gave his only begotten son. His only begotten son, the only son he ever had. He gave Jesus for you and for me. He sent Jesus to come into a world. As we said, doesn't want him. Didn't, didn't care for him. I said, well, you know what? I, if I knew that as a place that didn't care for me, didn't want, I think I would avoid that. But not Jesus, because he loves you. The breadth, the length, the depth of his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, the depth of his love, whosoever. You say, well, pastor, you know, there's some people that have done some pretty evil things. I remember I was working in a church out in California, we were installing some lights, and this guy was helping me to install the lights, and we were talking about uh, Jesus Christ and how wonderful Jesus was, and, and he didn't know uh, Jesus as his Savior, so I was talking to him about it, and he says, you know, one thing I can't understand, how that God could love somebody that would kill people like Bundy did. I said, God says, whosoever will may come. We're all sinners. We all need a Savior. And God loves everyone. God is, God is not a respecter of persons. May I share with you? God loves everybody. And he shows that and demonstrates it in the depth of his love. For whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, not only will you know the breadth and the length and the depth, but the height of God's love. God loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Ever lasting life that's the the height of god's love that we would be with him forever may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth the length the depth and the height and to know the love of christ which passeth knowledge that ye may be filled with all the fullness of god you know it's hard for us to understand god's love jesus love for us there was a gentleman in our church in California. He used to drive race cars, and he would, uh, but he had a lot of back problems. And he was, we were talking, and he was saying, you know, I'm in a lot of pain, and I just need some counseling. And I said, okay, let's just talk for a, a little bit. And we were talking about 
uh, the pain that he was going through. And, and I understood that he was in a lot of pain. And I said, you know, Jesus Christ endured pain like no one else. He endured the pain, the suffering of all of our sins being laid upon him so that we could have a home in heaven. He says, well, I understand what that pain's all about. I said, sir, you have no comprehension of what that pain is all about. All the pain of the, the murderers, the judgment that should be placed upon the murderers, all the people that have stolen, all that punishment that was placed upon, uh, should be placed upon them, all the punishment that should be placed upon the, uh, the adulterer and the adulteress and the, and the, and the, 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 uh, the covetous person and the, and the religious person, all of that judgment, all of that pain that, that should be put upon them was put upon Jesus in one moment of time. Hard to comprehend the love of, love of Christ. It's beyond human comprehension. Romans 5, verses 6 and 8, it says, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, even yet preadventure for a good man, someone even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, <laughs> Christ died for us. We didn't love him. We didn't care about him. But he still loved us. And he died for us. Not only has Christ's amazing love beyond human comprehension, but of that love, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I'm glad today that I'm saved. I'm glad that I know the love of Christ. His love is wonderful. Romans chapter 8, verse 35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, hard times, distress, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Hey, what if somebody kills me? Is that going to separate me from the love of Christ? He says, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter, nay, in all these things. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, Paul says, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, that's Satan, and all the demonic hosts, angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Can I tell you something? Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Now, sometimes we think that, boy, God, you don't love me anymore. Lord, you saw what I've done over here. I've disappointed you. Can I tell you something? The Lord still loves us. That's amazing. It's wonderful, the love of God. He's never going to love you more. He's not going to love you less. The wonderful love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. The love of Christ, it's that which was the motivation for Paul to serving the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, Paul says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then are all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Because of Christ's amazing love, 
His love for us, which is so wonderful. Hey, we shouldn't be living for ourselves. We should be living for the one who loved us that much. When Hudson Taylor, who was the director of China Inland Missions, uh, was there, he often interviewed candidates for the mission field. And he would ask them this question. As, uh, as they came, he asked them, what was their motivation? Why did they want to come and serve the Lord in China as a missionary? Well, one of them said, oh, well, uh, I want to go because Christ has commanded us to go into all the world. That's why I want to go. That's why I want to be a missionary. Another one said, I, I want to go because millions are perishing without Christ. And folks, there are. Billions are perishing today without Jesus Christ. Others gave different answers for why they wanted to go, but then Hudson Taylor said this, all of these motives, however good, will fail you in times of testings and trials and tribulations and possibly death. There is but one motive that will sustain you in trial and testing, namely, the love of Christ. Why are you serving Christ? Let me ask you today, why are you serving Christ today? I don't know about you, it's the wonderful love of Christ. How wonderful He has been. His love that He has given to us. Have you experienced that type of love? You say, Pastor, I wish somebody loved me like that. Loved me unconditionally. Loved me regardless. Well, there is one. Jesus Christ. He's called wonderful. He's called wonderful. I want you to see the third point as we think about Jesus and why is so wonderful. Not only is he wonderful in his sacrifice, not only is he wonderful in his love for us, but Jesus Christ is wonderful in his care for us. You know, he always promises to be there for us. Hebrews 13, 5, Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know, sometimes we can be walking alone. Have you ever walked alone? Sometimes, you know, you say, well, pastor, I... I don't have saved people in my home. I don't have saved people, that, you know, family members. I, you know, I, I, I just kind of pretty much a lone person. Can I tell you something? If you have Jesus, you're not alone. He said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And in the hard times, in those difficult times, he hasn't left you. You say, well, pastor, remember when Jesus was on, on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Hey, God hadn't forsaken him. He said, why did he say that? Because what he did is he just didn't deliver him from the pain and the suffering that he was going through because the perfect plan of God was that he was going to be sacrificed for our sin. And he had already submitted to that and he was just quoting the Old Testament scripture which said he was going to say that. The Father was still there. Folks, may I share with you today that Jesus is still there when you think that no one is there with you. If you know Jesus as your Savior. What a, what a hope, what a comfort it is that you can pour out your heart to Jesus Christ. Not only is he always there for us, but he provides strength when we are weak. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. How about you today? Are you needing some strength, needing some help? Sometimes we're kind of dragging, right, Brother Scott? We were talking about that. Boy, man, it's been a long week. It's been a, long, a lot of things going on. You know, especially with this time of the year and, and everybody's running around and, and things like that. And you say, wow, I just, how am I going to get all this done? 
I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. You know, if you go to him and say, Lord, I need your strength today, he can give you that strength. He can help you through that time. Not only does he provide strength, but he also promises to meet our needs. Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. He's going to supply your needs. You say, well, pastor, you know, I, I, I want, you know, I want a Cadillac and I want a, a, a fancy house and I want this and I want that and I want, you know, I, I want a good job and I want, you know, I want all the things that the world has to offer because there's a lot of good things out there. Well, I think that's what Satan tried to offer Jesus. He took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. He says, you can have all this if you'll just fall down and worship me. He's God. He's the creator. He's the one who sustains all things. By him all things consist. And here's one of his created beings. Hey, you can have what I've got to offer you. Wait a minute. I've got it all. And folks, may I share with you that Jesus rebuked the old devil. You know, we need to realize to get our attention, our focus upon the Lord. The Lord has so much more for us than what this world has to offer. That's why the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in it. You say, what does that mean? I think it means simply this. If we're loving the world and our life is so consumed by the world, maybe we're not saved. So what are you saying? Maybe we need to ask ourselves, what is this, this decision I so-called made about Jesus? Because, see, when I come to Jesus, I realize that he is wonderful. He's the one that I need to cling to. He's the one that has done all this for me. And my life is not about myself. It's about him. To please him. He promises to meet all of our needs. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. He's just got done talking about food and all the talk about the things that you need, the basic needs of life. He's talking, he talks about that. But seek first the kingdom of God. God will supply. Well, I don't know their God can do that. Wait a minute, hold on a second. We're talking about a God who created all this. I think God could take care of your needs. Better than you can. Better than you can. When you are the neediest, he is the most sufficient. When you are completely helpless, he is the most helpful. When you feel totally dependent, he is absolutely dependable. When you are the weakest, he is the most able. When you are the most alone, he is uh, intimately present. When you feel you are the least, he is the greatest. When you feel the most useless, he is preparing you. When it is the darkest, he is, only, uh, he is the only light you need. When you feel the least secure, he is your rock and your fortress. When you are the most humble, he is most gracious. When you can't, he can. He promises to be there for us. He promises to strengthen us when we're weak. He promises to meet our needs. He intercedes for us in heaven. He intercedes for us in heaven. Hebrews 7.25, Wherefore he, talking of Jesus, is able also to save them 
to the uttermost that come unto him, or come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He's praying for you. Do you know somebody's praying for you today? Somebody's interceding on your behalf. He knows what you need in your life. Sometimes we don't even know what we need. You ever get there? You say, well, what should I do? Should I do this or do that? You know what? There's somebody praying on the positive side. This is what they should do, Lord, uh, Father. Help them to, to do that which is right. He's ever living to intercede. I like the song Brother Scott sings. He ever intercedes. You know, that's a wonderful song because that's exactly what Jesus Christ does. He's wonderful. Wonderful. So often people, they intercede for us on this way. Well, you know, uh, I think you should do this because this will benefit me. That's not how Jesus is. He's looking out for your best. He's looking out that you might be a, a, a strong believer in him. As we conclude today, have you found this wonderful Savior who came, to, came from heaven to die for you? Why he would do that, I do not understand. But that's why that love is amazing. He loves you and me. Have you experienced Jesus' wonderful love that he freely gives to those who receive him as their Savior? Are you allowing that love to flow through you to other people? See, that's what he came to do. 1 John talks about that, the love of Christ flowing through you to other people. Some of the people I see that, that just have a real problem with people are people that, that are Christians that, boy, they hate this person, hate that person. Whoa, 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 whoa. Can I share with you that Jesus Christ came to give us the love of God in our hearts, that we would share that love with others. Are you enjoying Jesus, his wonderful care for you? Folks, I pray that you do that today. We have a wonderful Savior. I pray that your focus is upon him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word and what encouragement it gives to us. I thank you that your son Jesus Christ was willing to sacrifice so much for us, leaving all of heaven and all of its glory, all of its splendor, to come down to a, a world that knew him not, didn't care for him, didn't want him to rule over them, and yet still died on a cross to demonstrate his love for us. He's a wonderful Savior, a wonderful friend. He's a wonderful Lord. Father, I pray today that if there's one without Jesus Christ who's never received him as their Savior, would ask him to come into their heart and save them today. I pray, dear God, that they would see the need of opening their heart and letting him in and enjoying what he's done and provided for them. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you are today. I'm not sure where you stand in relationship to Jesus Christ, but I do know one thing, that there is a God who loves you. And Jesus Christ, his son, loved you so much and does today that if you'll just respond to his call, he stands at your heart's door right now and is knocking. Wants to come into your heart, into your life to save you, to give you deliverance from your sin. 
And if you'll just open the door, he'll come into your life. He'll save you today. Will you not open that door for him? He shed his blood on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin. And right now, in the quietness of your heart, you can pray a simple prayer if you really mean it and ask him to come in and save you. You can pray a simple prayer like this. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. I want him to come into my heart. Be my savior today. I want to turn from my sin. I want to turn to Jesus and walk in his path. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer right now, and you truly meant it, would you do me a favor? Would you slip your hand up? Is there anyone like that this morning? You prayed and asked Jesus to be your Savior? Perhaps today you say, Pastor, you know, I believe Jesus is a wonderful Savior. I've received him as my Savior. And I just thank him right now, and I praise him for all that he's done and for his watch care over me. Let me just challenge you today. Are you sharing that love and that wonderful life that you have as a Christian with other people? There's a world around us that knows not Jesus Christ. Desperately needs him. And you are the one that God's chosen as his child to be able to share that message with others. In fact, he's commanded for us to do so. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I pray you'd share that love with others. Dear Father, we just come before you in this time of invitation. And Lord, pray that you would speak to us. And Lord, draw us to you and to, that we might live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Scott's going to lead us in a song of invitation. And ask that you stand. And as we sing this song...